Who are they? How did they get here and where are they now? I'm Tyson Chastain, Director of Alumni Relations with Johnson University, and this is the Sojournal Podcast. The Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. Today, we are joined in the Sojournal podcast by 1981 Central Florida Bible College or Johnson University, Florida graduate, Alan Tyson. So Alan, welcome to the Sojournal podcast. It's good to be here today, Tyson. Thanks for having me here today. Thank you so much for joining in. If you will, just so that our listeners who don't know you can get a sense of who you are, would you mind giving me a brief introduction? Okay. As you've already said, I'm um, part of the second class of Central Florida Bible College, now Johnson University, Florida. Um, graduated in 1981, and I've been working in a position here at Johnson University, Florida for the last 10 years as Director of Advancement. Okay, so 10 years. So you you started working for Central Florida Bible, well, I'm sorry, Florida Christian College, two years before the merger took place. Right. For the first, the first couple of years of working here at the college, I was the alumni director, and then I moved to be alumni director and director of admissions. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then when the merger came about, there was some realignment of, of jobs and um, was made director of advancement during that time. So since 2013, I've served as the director of advancement of the campus. So where is home for you, Alan? Where did, where did your life journey start? Mine started in Jacksonville, Florida. I, I grew up in Jacksonville. I'm a rare bird. I'm a native Floridian. Um, <laughs> I've only lived outside of Jacksonville or outside of Florida just a couple of years. Um, some ministries in Indiana and Ohio. But other than that, um, I've got sand in my shoes. And so <laughs> I just enjoy living in Florida and um, this place is home. Well, uh, I'm glad you can enjoy that. I've been down there a few times because my mom used to live in Tampa and man, it gets hot down there. Hot and humid. That's for sure. I mean, we, we love, this is the best time of year to visit Florida. I mean, it is just, you know, um, highs in the lower 80s at night, lower 60s, and humidity is like 2%, but summer's coming. <laughs> well, it will be, it will be, I mean, you know, a couple more months and 2% humidity will just be a, a fading memory for us. <laughs> That's great. So Jacksonville, Florida. Yes, Northeast Florida, um, up in that area, and um, I grew up in Jacksonville, um, during that, and that's what got me down here. Why, why I made the choice to come to Central Florida Bible College at the time. Okay, so uh, tell me about your uh, your history, then your family life. Uh, were you were you raised in a Christian home? Well, my family we started out at the Inglewood Christian Church in Jacksonville. Fred Smith was our minister, and um, my parents um, wanted to move outside of Jacksonville, so we moved, moved to a little a little community called Middleburg. I don't know what's in the middle of anything, but it was called Middleburg. Um, we lived three miles from a paved road, so it was really in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and at the time, that was 39 miles away from Inglewood. And my family, would, we'd make the trek every, every Sunday, go up to church, and um, we'd be in church. We'd spend the afternoon at somebody's home and then go to youth group and church on Sunday night and then go home that night. So Sundays were a full day for us. And then my parents were always 
really involved in starting new churches in the Jack, greater Jacksonville area. So um, they helped start what was called Mandarin Christian Church, which is now Christ Church of Mandarin. And that was only 26 miles away from home. So, man, we thought we'd really moved up in the days. <laughs> um, we, we helped do that church. We were charter members of the church. Um, then a new church was planted in Orange Park. Now we're only 14 miles from home. And so we were really getting to the place that, hey, this is, this is not an all-day event. And then they started a little church called Middleburg, which was at the end of the dirt road. And it was three miles from home. And that's where mom and dad called home. But by then, I'd already left the nest. Now, involved in church planning, how? I mean, was your dad an evangelist, or was were they just a family that kind of continued to support new plans? They were a family that just continued to support. They, he served as an elder at the Mandarin Church and at the Orange Park Church, and as a church leader also in the Middleburg Church. We just, every time there was a call, we were heading out, getting closer and closer to home um, for us. So I find that folks who are raised in Christian homes, you know, early in your life, your faith is the faith of your father, the faith of your family. Um, so when, when would you say in your uh, young adult or your young life that faith was yours and not just the faith of your family? Well, I was, I was, um, I was baptized when I was 11 years old, um, grew up in a very active church, um, the Inglewood Church, very active Sunday school program. Um, and that really, you know, we were all, there was a bunch of us who grew up together, but I'm going to probably say as a, as a late teenager, it really became real for me. Um, between my junior and senior, I'd, I'd gone to church camp every year, but to my junior and senior year of um, high school, um, I just really felt a pressing need to do something beyond myself. And um, my minister, Fred Smith, would always tell us, Alan, you need to be a preacher. Alan, you need to do this. And he said that to other guys as well, always planting seeds. And he started doing that when we were in church camp in ninth grade. Well, by 11th grade, it just stuck. And, <laughs> and so that's what happened. And I would say that between my junior and senior year, it really became real for me. My, after my senior year, I stayed away from school for a year and then went to Central Florida Bible College the second year of its existence. So I could have been in the first class if I would have been so stubborn as a teenager. <laughs> So uh, you, you say that in a way that makes me wonder, what was it that uh, gave you that inspiration that you needed to do something in service? I, I, I mean, aside from Fred Smith's encouragement, what was it that inspired you to say, yes, I really do need to do this service thing? I'd have to say watching my parents. I mean, we, we were always involved in church. And I, I watched them do, you know, my dad served in different areas of the church. My mom served in different areas as well. That was a big deal. I can remember when we started the Mandarin church, our family, our whole family, myself, my two brothers, mom and dad, we'd get to the church early on Sunday morning and we'd fold the bulletins every week. I mean, we don't even have bulletins anymore. So, but, <laughs> but back then, you know, we'd get there and the preacher would have them laid out in the fellowship hall. We'd go in there and we'd fold them on Sunday morning. I mean, we were there for the day. There was nothing else to do. So, uh -huh. so we were there. And um, so just watching that service and example of my parents, it just really modeled for my life as well, I believe. So you could see faith was real in your parents. Mm -hmm. Good. Yes, most definitely. You said Fred Smith was an encourager for you to pursue vocational ministry preaching. You need to be a preacher. Yeah. Uh, and that he did the same thing for others. What do you think it was about Fred Smith that made him that kind of encourager? 
I, I just think he saw he he just saw something in us young men and, and young ladies that we didn't see in ourselves. No, nobody was challenging us to do this at the time. And back in the, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, there was a lot more of a push for um, that term life recruits. You may remember that from many years ago of uh, being a being a life recruit. Do something beyond yourself. And um, that that just happened at church camp every year. And you would see other people making that decision and you would see how they would come back and they would talk about their role in ministry and you just get excited about being part of that as well. Hmm. So was Fred Smith a graduate of one of the Bible colleges? Yes, he graduated from Lincoln back in back in the day. He moved to Inglewood in 1958. I was born in 1958, so I uh, knew him almost our whole life. Okay, so when you graduated high school, Central Florida Bible College was starting at that time. Were you aware of Central Florida Bible College starting, uh, that you could have been a part of the first class? Yes. In fact, I even, I even registered to be part of the first class and then um, decided, uh, you know, I got, I got a little, little cold feet, I would say, and decided just to wait. I didn't know what I was going to do, I, but I didn't think I was going to go to college at that time. And um, so I just kind of decided not to, come, not to go to college. And then the next year, the Lord worked on me, Fred worked on me, mom and dad worked on me, <laughs> and I ended up at the college. And I actually said, I'll go to the college for a year. And one year became two, two became three, and three became four, and then I graduated. Okay, so you're avoiding then of going to Central Florida Bible College that first year that it was open. It had nothing to do with the fact it was a new college. It had everything to do with the fact you just weren't sure you were ready to go to college. Right. That, that was that was me. I mean, we heard about this new, you know, well, my role as advancement director here is I represent the school in a, a bunch of places, a bunch of churches. Um, back in the day, the professors were the advancement department. They were also the admissions department and they were also the student life department. <laughs> they were everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was not uncommon to see one of our professors one in those early years at, at one at our church. I mean, they were just there. Men like James Smith and Marion Henderson and John Hasty, they were all coming to our churches and drumming up support. And I can remember John Hasty, um, maybe, maybe he was guilty me. I'm not sure, but I remember he said, Well, why don't you get in that pulpit and I'll take a picture of you? And so I got in a picture, I got a picture of me in the pulpit at Mandarin Church. And um, next thing I know, it was on some of the um, publicity. That was Central Florida Bible College. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I be, and um, <laughs> and all of a sudden I'm I'm on their publicity shot, and well, I had to go then, didn't I? I mean, <laughs> Alan Tyson, the first poster boy for Central Florida Bible College. I like that. <laughs> yeah, those, those those early years, those guys were traveling up and down the state, and it was just amazing. Um, and so talking about the college, and um, you know, we still do that today, but not with the professors. Our admissions teams do that today, but. Mm -hmm. In those pioneer years, they were they were everything. So when you ultimately did decide that you were going to go ahead and pursue ministry, you said you were going to give it a year. You mm -hmm. chose Central Florida Bible College. Was there any consideration to Atlanta or you know Milligan, Johnson, Kentucky, any of those other schools? Atlanta Christian would always send a camp team down to um, North Florida Christian Service Camp, as what it was called at that time in Keystone, and. Um, those were the guys that we would look up to and you know they were two or three years older than we were and they were they were a singing group they would do all kinds of things with us recreation and so you'd see those guys and you would say well that's where I want to go to school and so um 
most of us would just say, well, we were going to go to Atlanta because that was the, at that time, you know, it was 500 miles away from Florida. Once the Florida campus came on board and, and my friends who were at the Inglewood church were already down here um, for the, um, the first year. I mean, there were several guys who were already down here that I already knew. And in fact, one of the guys who came for the first year encouraged me to come the second year and he would be my roommate. And so that, that was enticing to come down as well. So who was that? Um, Joe Seidel. Joe's in North Carolina now and having a great opportunity, a great life in, in that area. Was Joe from Inglewood? Joe was from Inglewood. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you mentioned North Florida Christian Service Camp. So is that camp still around today? Oh, yes. That camp's still there today. And I'm Same doing, name. doing a great job. The same name. They may have dropped the service just because it's a, such a long title, but yeah, same, but still there and doing a great job. Who's um, the director of that camp? Danny Slater is the director of the camp there. He's been there for a number of years and is really, really taking the camp to the next level. Um, and it's really a, you know, it's a long way from when I was in camp. I mean, you know, I, I laugh about some of the things that we were, we did in camp and, you know, we, we, we swam in a, a dirty old lake. Now they've got a pristine swimming pool. You know, <laughs> you know we, we slept in this dorm. It reminds me a lot of the, the dorm at cool, and cool Hand Luke. If you remember that old movie? Well, now it's, now it's weatherproofed and air conditioned. You know, it's just, you know, kids got it so easy today. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Back in that day. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you came to Central Florida Bible College and you were a freshman in 1977. Seven. So uh, what was your experience like being a part of the earliest years of that campus? Well, one of the things that was happening, the churches were really embracing the college because at the time, you know, like I say, Atlanta was the closest college to us. So a lot of the guys, um, when we when college began, all of a sudden, these churches had opportunity for part-time youth ministers, guys to fill in to preach. And in those early years, we would, we would take off on um, Saturdays or Sunday mornings, and we'd be preaching in churches. You know, we'd have one Life of Christ class and one Old Testament survey class, and I mean, I got to appreciate those people who listen to those early sermons because, boy, uh, there was two things about them. They they were short and they were shallow. (laughs) (laughs) Surely that did not describe any of your sermons, Alan. Oh, well, those I burned. I mean, (laughs) I put those away. At that time, there was no campus, right? Right. We met at First Christian Church of Orlando in their Sunday school classrooms. And so our chapel was in their classrooms. Our um, eventually, the, the school did build a library on the um, on the church's property that they have converted into a preschool now. Well, they've converted to their um, recreation area now. Back then, there was there was that was it. We just shared facilities. About um, a quarter of a mile away was a set of apartments and called Country Place Apartments, and um, we rented a section of those out. Those were our dorms, four students to a dorm to an apartment. There was no ARC. There was no student life buildings. There was no commons. It was it was pure bare bones at that point. You made your own entertainment, basically. So you said four students per apartment. Were they two bedroom apartments and they two were, students per room? No, they were just there were two rooms, one bedroom and one living area. So we had so, bunk beds. And so they put four of us in a bunk in two bunk beds. And then they um, had a, a living room, had the four desks for studying. And that was it. Wow. Yeah, you know, when we think about it now, it's like, what were we thinking? But back then, there was such a, 
a pioneering spirit. I, mm -hmm. I would say that first, those first Central Florida Bible College students, um, the ones who are my contemporaries, there was such a pioneering spirit that we would just, yeah, like you say, wow, <laughs> you know, now I want a full queen's king size bed. <laughs> so, so was the the camaraderie, the community tight in your uh, oh, in yeah. your apartment? Yeah, it was tight, and it was also the professors provided. Um, the school was broken into families, um, so there was the Smith family, the Henderson family, the Roger Chambers family, the Mike Chambers family, and so these family units had between ten and twelve students who you stuck with all four years of your school. And, you know, some would drop out, some would get married. And so things would happen that way. But the families really, and then the competition for, we'd have certain days, like we had fall fling or fall event. Um, we'd have competition between the two, between the families. And, you know, one year we went to a camp, we went to a um, state park and had a, a full day of activities and we competed against each other, of course, for pride and all that. It was, it was great during that time. Did you guys like have weekly meals together or uh, what did you do for meals in the apartment? We, we cooked our own. And so that was, that was different back then. Um, you know, today we have a, we have a dining hall. I know the Tennessee campus has a dining hall and, you know, but back in that day, it was, it was different. There were, you know, a lot of ramen noodles, a lot of um, chicken noodle soup. Um, our, our room was known more for its um, bologna casserole. We, 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 we created that one night where um, we didn't have a whole lot of stuff in the, di in the, in the pantry. So we put in, we lined a pan with bologna, put some baked beans in, sprinkled it with cheese and cooked it till it smelled. Man, it was, that was a dinner that you could live on for days. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. That sounds interesting. It sounds interesting. Do you still make bologna casserole? Oh no, I've, I've graduated from, <laughs> when I left Central Florida Bible College, I left that mint, that, that recipe. <laughs> Back to the, an original question in there. Did your family units get together for meals and those kinds of things? Yeah, they got together from time to time. Um, and, and then we had, a, we had a family in the church in, who was a member of First Christian Church, Jean and Francis Anderson. Um, and Jean and Francis made it their mission to have every student over to their house for a steak dinner. And they did it through the families. And so, you know, they'd have the Smith family would come over to their house and um, Jean, the, the husband would cook um, steaks for all of us. And, you know, it was something that everybody looked forward to because, you know, eating bologna casserole just didn't cut it every day. So did you have a steak um, dinner like every semester, every year, or just um, once every, in your academic every, journey? Every semester. Every semester. Yeah. Were they, were they steer farmers or something? No, <laughs> That's a lot just, of meat. They just loved. They just loved the kids, and um, just did that, and it was just a great time. So now they would have they would have two families each semester, not every semester each family. So hmm. so that's what they would. That's how they do it. So they just worked their way through to get everybody to have a steak dinner. That's great. So in your time as a student in Central Florida Bible College, uh, what are some experiences that stand out to you? The one thing that the college did that was just pretty amazing. And unfortunately we don't, we're not able to do it any longer, but um, your senior year between your, between your fall and spring semester, you um, had a trip to the Holy Land was provided for you. And what they did, they took a portion of your tuition each year and put it into a trust fund. And then your senior year, that money was there for you to go to the Holy Land. And, you know, the Bible really came alive for us 
when when you actually go and you you walk where Jesus walked, basically, you know, mm-hmm. you took you were there for eleven days. Obviously, because you had been with these classmates for three and a half years, you had a real bond with them, and it was just a great time to really close out your college career to spend time in the Holy Land with these. You know, I had a I had a graduating class of fifteen, so you can imagine the bond, um, the fifteen of us and some and some friends from the college also would go as well. But um, you can imagine, and it was led by professors. The professors were the tour guides, and so um, they just did an excellent job. Of course, they were very studious in the areas that we have. Um, and I, I just remember how fortunate we were to do that. You know, and we'd say, oh, we'll come back. Well, here we are now, 40 years later, haven't been back. So, um, but it was just a great opportunity. Alan, you and I need to lead a group of students over there to to the Holy Land. I, of course, I haven't been there once, so you're gonna be oh, showing my. me some things. But what, what do you remember about your time there? I mean, what, what stood out to you in that experience? Well, I remember we were we went down, you know, went down to the Dead Sea, you know, in that area, and um, that was just amazing to just just to see these this terrain that you read about in Scripture, and you do see pictures and textbooks, but it's just there's nothing like sitting there, um, being in some of those hill country where David was being pursued by Saul, and you know the Bible says you know they were one hill over, and you're thinking, well, why couldn't Saul find David? And then you get over there and see. These hills are not, you know, these are not Florida hills, you know. <laughs> these are these are mountains that they're they're looking for, you know. And of course, I remember we went to the um, we went to the garden tomb, had communion at the garden tomb, and one of our um one of our young one of my classmates, she sang the song I walk today I walk where Jesus walked. I mean, mm. here it is forty years later, and I still remember that. And wow, how how precious that how how precious that was and all. So some of those old hymns, they just, they capture so much emotion, and I can only imagine what it would be like to sing some of these, you know, in, right. in the Holy Land, and and uh, all the meaning and significance behind that. That sounds like it would have been a neat experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the backdrop, like you said, the backdrop, I mean, you know, we went, you know, we went on the Sea of Galilee, and took a boat ride over the Sea of Galilee, and, you know, you think about, well, this is just, this is where Jesus walked across the, across there with the disciples, and it just, yeah, um, we we the school did that for a number of years, but as the um, as the political climate began to change um, over there, safety was becoming more and more of a concern. And um, if you really, you know, it's kind of like we talked about a few months ago, Tyson, about you know four people in a one bedroom apartment. Wow, you think about it, you're taking you're taking 15 to 20, 22 year olds to the Holy Land, and you have two professors, and it's like okay. And there are stories upon stories of things that happen in the Holy Land that, well, we'll just keep them amongst the alums. And that's what we'll do. <laughs> no, come on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to put you on the spot and say, ah, you, you opened it. You started it. I got to know. But uh, I guess I won't do that to you. <laughs> so the Holy Land experience, obviously, is a highlight. Is there anything else that you remember uh, relative to your classes or... Uh, you know, stories that you would share of your interactions with your students? You know, growing up in church, you, you know a lot of the Bible stories because you, you just grew up in church and, you know, whether it be um, graded worship church time or in, or in hearing preaching. But I just remember my two professors who really had an impact were Doc Smith and um, Marion Henderson, who taught New Testament. Doc Smith taught Old Testament. And, you know, they would just bring out things that were just amazing that you think, okay, I've, I've heard this story before. And then they would tell more about it. And you're like, oh, wow, this is really, 
really impactful during that time. Um, I remember my preaching class, um, Glenn Bourne was our, um, our preaching um, professor. Uh, he was brutal. Oh, he was brutal. At the time, we didn't like him being brutal, but you know, now looking back, a little bit of wisdom, if he would not have been so critical, not have been so um, demanding of us, we probably would not have turned out the way we did as, as preachers. And I look now as the director of advancement, you know, I see the joy of, of several of our, um, our young men who are now leading churches in the state of Florida. That's the, the fruit of those professors' labor is out there and leading some amazing churches and doing some amazing things. And they got their start at a little college meeting in a church building. Um, who would have thought? But mm. God was able to do some amazing things with a bunch of, a bunch of young men. It made a difference. So, were there any females in the early years? Yeah, there were a few. You know, there were there were a few. I, I mean, in my in my graduating class, there were, like I said, there was there was fifteen. There was thirteen guys and two two ladies. Um, and um, now, some of that reason that is because they started out as freshmen. Um, women started out as freshmen, but got married while <laughs> and dropped out of school, putting hubby through. You know that kind of thing. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, it was it, it was just a, a great time. And back in the day, you know, another thing I think that kept us close as well, when you think about it, there's only two state camps and, and the college pretty much recruited from Florida. And so that closeness that you talked about a while ago about the families, it was always there as well because we had gone to church camp together. We'd gone to um, youth rallies together. So even though at the point we didn't know each other personally, when we got to the school, we had, we had some shared experiences that we could bring together. And I think that helped bond those, those early years. Um, now this college has become more diverse with reaching out to, into Florida, Georgia, you know, other areas. And so kids come for the very first time and they're able to share their own experiences where we had some shared experiences, which really made a difference, I think, in that bond that we had. Knowing what you know about the early years of Central Florida Bible College, uh, what what programs were offered? Uh, I mean, obviously ministry or, or preaching, but what other things were offered at the time? In the early years, it was preaching and teaching. That was it. There, you could either be a, um, a minister or, a, and it was just at that time, it was just preaching classes. They had some um, small youth ministry classes where they'd have some adjunct youth ministers to come and teach. They did that, and they also had elementary ed. That was the other, those were basically the two options in, when I was in school. And then they, they began to branch out over time, music, worship leading, um, and those other areas that we have today. I mean, it, it was probably not even recognizable what we were doing back then to what we're doing today. So in the time that you were a student, were there any athletic teams? Uh, yes, there was. There was, a, there was a basketball team. In fact, I was on that basketball team. And so that just tells you they'll take anybody. I mean, <laughs> Come on. Back in the day, we we were, I think we I think we played everybody's homecoming game. Um, we saw more homecoming queens than anybody else. <laughs> so did you play basketball in high school? No, no, I, I'd never played basketball before, but you know, they back in the day, you know, I you know, I'd never played basketball, I'd never preached, and my first year I did both. Um <laughs> I was a better preacher than I was a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that about you. Not that you're a bad basketball player, but that you're a pretty good preacher. So um, let, let, me, let me go down the, the journey after college then. What, when you graduated, where'd you go? What'd you do? Well, when I graduated, you know, I, I got through with school and 
I really felt like I do not feel qualified to, to be a preacher. I mean, I'm 23 years old um, at that point, that no way. So I went into youth ministry, which was kind of, kind of interesting because I had one youth ministry class when I was in college and I, and I stayed in youth ministry for 17 years. So I, I wonder if I majored in youth ministry, if I'd still be doing youth ministry today. <laughs> so, but um, I had a ministry in Winter Haven, Florida, I was there for three years and I'm really, really began to cut my teeth on youth ministry during that time. Had some great older youth minister friends who really came alongside me. And uh, one of them is somebody near and dear to the college that we have is David Wheeler. And um, David spent some time with me and um, I'll never, I'll never forget those times when he, he just encouraged me. You know, I was a young youth minister at the time, had a few of those things called idea books. Now, if you're an old youth minister, you know what those are, but you older, younger youth ministers are like, what are the idea books? But <laughs> they were, they were, our, they were our youth ministry Bible back in the day. And um, David just spent some time with me, encouraging me. And um, in fact, you know, David's going to retire this year from um, Johnson. Uh, and I'm going to try to spend a few weeks. I'm going to spend some time with him at his place. So I'm really looking forward to reconnecting once again with David. And I've shared with him what he's done for me during that time. So I, after I left Winter Haven, I went to um, Anderson, Indiana, had a wonderful ministry there. I really learned about basketball there. I mean, boy, those people in Indiana, they love their basketball. And so um, really got to have a great ministry there, some fantastic kids, some great youth sponsors. Then I went back, came back to Orlando, was a youth minister there. And that's when I was able to teach. Um, I actually taught at Florida Christian College, the youth ministry classes for seven years. And I really enjoyed that time. And then, then I went into preaching. And so I preached the next 13 years at a couple of churches and um, got me here. Um, and that's what I'm doing today is in director of advancement in that point. So in your five years in Anderson, Indiana, you got to know what cold felt like, I suppose. Oh, goodness. I, Tyson, I am not a cold natured person. I mean, <laughs> I, I went there my interview weekend, they, they got 12 inches of snow. And I thought, <laughs> what kind of place is this? My last year there, my last year in Indiana, I had to run my furnace Memorial Day weekend, and I knew it was time to go home. <laughs> said, you're running a furnace on Memorial Day weekend. What is this Florida boy doing here? In fact, I learned the word furnace because down here we call them heaters because <laughs> That's right. we just need a little bit of heat, knock out the chill on a, on a day when it's like 50 degrees. <laughs> but there it was like, wow. It was different for me as a Florida boy. I mean, I grew up in Florida all my life. So, you know, to move up there, I was just, it was just a totally different culture for me and my family. I mean, we were, we had never lived outside of the state of Florida. And, um, you know, like you say, the, the weather, um, the basketball culture, Speedway, you know, I remember we'd have all these men, they get out of church, they go straight to their cars to hear the, and they're off. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, but it was just, a, but I, but I really loved, it. I got some dear friends there still. And that's, you know, if I could say, you know, truly in ministry, that's been the greatest, my greatest thrills, the number of friends that I have met over the years, that's just been amazing. And um, a lot of, a lot of friendships that I would have never had if I, if I'd just come for one year here and gone to do something else, I would never have been blessed. Like I've been blessed through all the, all the relationships I have. Mm. Um, so you're currently a single guy, but you were married for several years. So yes. uh, 
how did you meet your wife? When, where, that kind of thing? Okay. I met Kathy um, in, in 1977. She was a freshman in college as well. Um, she was going to the Southeast Christian Church in Orlando. And um, she was, she was a, she came right out of high school, right into to the job. And so we met, um, got married between our sophomore and junior year. And she was my, my partner in ministry for all those years. And unfortunately, um, succumbed to breast cancer in, in 2016. Mm. And, um, you know, just saw God do some amazing things through her. She, she made me a better person. It was, it was amazing how my GPA changed between my freshman sophomore and then my junior year <laughs> uh, preachers wives have a way of doing that don't they I, I, I think of a lot of guys to be honest they would say their gpas improved once they got married i guarantee you if i had to be a single student when i came to college i would not have done as well as i did with the support of my wife so <laughs> between your freshman and sophomore year no between my sophomore and junior year between your sophomore and junior year so you you dated for a year yeah we did for a year then we got married and then my sophomore between my sophomore and junior year we got married and then um the end of my senior year we had our first son david so yeah well yeah okay your first son david so how many children do you have i have three i have david and jonathan and yes they are named after the bible verse that says where jonathan says i'll be second next to you we were hoping to keep them close <laughs> didn't really um uh -huh. <laughs> no they're great together now but when they were kids <laughs> um and then my, my daughter bethany okay and are your, are your kids still in the area or they all live in florida st pete melbourne and fort pierce so they're all about two hours away from me they're far enough away that i miss them but close enough that they can be here when when, when i need to be or i can be there when they need me did any of them follow your ministry example follow your path like you did your parents um, they're all involved in churches that Bethany and Jonathan are both are graduates of Florida Christian College and Johnson University, Florida. David attended Kentucky Christian for a number for a couple of years while he was there. But they're all very involved in, in church service in some way or another, whether it is running sound, leading youth groups or whatever. So uh, you lost your wife to breast cancer. Now, yeah. I know that had to be a terrible journey. Uh, just, I can't even begin to imagine it. I won't even try and empathize because I know I can't. Uh, but is there anything you learned about uh, uh, about God or about prayer or um, about the Christian family that surrounds you that kind of came to you through that journey, through that experience? Yeah, I would say probably for, for us as a family, it, it drew us close together. You know, we were, we were like most families, everybody is a hurried pace. Cancer made us slow down. Mm. It was on their time. It was on its timetable, you know, going to doctors, going to doctor's appointments, visiting doctors, going to the hospital several times. It was on cancer's timetable. It was not on our timetable. And, you know, as a, um, as a leader in a church, a lot of times there's a lot of demands on you. Well, I realized that those demands really were not that demanding, I guess you could say. Mm. But also I would just say the, um, the relationships, the number of people who were praying for us. Um, as I would travel, when, when I was able to travel from time to time during her illness, I would run to people and they'd say, hey, we're praying for your wife. We're, and I, I would think, how in the world did you know Kathy had cancer? You know, and it was just the, the network of God's family was just amazing. And I just, I was just so, so um, humbled by that. 
I was also humbled by the um, the state preachers. Um, when Kathy when Kathy passed away, we had a um, celebration of life service at the Kissimmee Christian Church, and 27 ministers attended that service. There was over 400 people there, but 27 ministers attended the service. And I remember we were in the back getting ready to go in, and they're showing a video and all this. And um, Jim Book, my minister. He came out and said, Alan, don't worry. If I go down, there's 27 other guys who can pick up my notes and, and carry on the service. <laughs> and he just bringing some levity to the whole situation. But, you know, I was just, it was just really heartwarming to look out there and see ministerial colleagues. That was very touching for, for me and, and for my family as well. I mean, you know, ministry is busy. And, you know, our state, state of Florida, much like the state of Tennessee, is, you guys are wide, we are long. And, um, we had guys come from all over the state, and I'll, I'll never forget those guys who were there. Don't remember a word they said. I just know they were there. Is there anything that you learned out of that that would help, you know, other alumni who are listening in or maybe students as they go on into life and experience these kinds of trials and hardships? Uh, you know, we recognize that being a Christian doesn't, you know, doesn't rubber stamp an easy and an easy journey, right? I mean, it, actually, Scripture promises us that the journey is not going to be easy, but uh, is there anything you learned there that you'd share with them to help them get through similar situations? I, I would think, um, even though Kathy lost her battle with cancer, um, we really, as a, as a family, and, and as, as me as an individual, would just learn to take things um, that there just a lot of things are not that important. You know, we, we get so bent out of shape about a lot of different things in our lives. And, you know, I think back, I think, wow, that's really not that big a deal. And I've tried as I, as I watch on Facebook, as I watch in um, other social media groups, um, when I see alumni who's, who've either lost a parent or some, I try to reach out to them with, with cards and phone calls and just say, Hey, you know, I'm here. Um, anything that I can do for you, just let me know. Now, obviously, we miss some of those because people, some people are private, don't put it on Facebook or other social media. Mm -hmm. But we try to, we try to connect with people that way. I think also the one thing, I, the one thing I personally have learned, and that is how, um, you know, not that he wasn't real before, but just the ability, the power of prayer. I can remember, I can remember times um, when it did not look like um, Kathy was going to live um, in December. December of 2015. And um, I remember praying, dear God, do not let her pass away during Christmas holidays. Just, we, we already knew it was terminal. We knew it was going to be a matter of time. And she was in intensive care. And um, I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I thought, what a terrible memory that would be for my kids mm. and for me. And so, and God was faithful. I mean, she lived another five months. Um, at the end, she didn't have a voice. She had lost her voice because the cancer had metastasized to her brain, mm. and she had lost her speaking ability. And she had this little bell. And um, you know, I, I'm not—I'd be human. I wouldn't be human to tell you that there's sometimes she'd ring that bell, and I get so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, Tyson, I'd like to hear that bell one more time. You mm. know, you know what I mean? Just like to mm. have her, because she'd ring the bell, and that was—I need water, I need something, and um, you know. I just about the time I'd sit down and go, the bell would ring. I go, oh, again. <laughs> but I tell you, I'd love to hear that bell any any day of the week now. Mm. Through your journey, 
What is one thing that you've learned that you wish you'd have known when you, when you graduated college, when you started ministry? What's something you've learned about ministry that our graduates should know before they get there themselves? Just be prepared for the unexpected. That's what I would say. Um, some of my best youth sponsors that I've had over the years when I was a youth minister were people that you would not expect to be youth sponsors, but they were the ones who, you know, you, you're always looking for, you know, when you're a youth minister, let's look for the, that cool couple who, who will attract kids. And, and I had some youth sponsors that were just wonderful, wonderful youth sponsors who poured their life into kids who kind of were overlooked and not when I mean overlooked, like they were shunned, I mean, but I mean, they were People just didn't ask them. When I was in Orlando, I had 100, teenage, 100 kids. And so with a 100-kid youth group, you need a bunch of sponsors or they'll, they'll take over. And <laughs> so, you know, I started looking for, others, for other people to, to come alongside of me. And that was just a, that was just a joy. Um, in preaching ministry, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We, we, we sometimes, in our, in our field, we play the comparison game. I think everybody does. We look at the the large churches say, why can't I be like them? But you just need to bloom where you're planted and um, God will bring the increase. And um, God, everybody's in a certain area. I, I, I look at every one of my ministries and I look back and see how God was in the middle of each one of those and things that happened, which I never would have thought of. Just stay, stay put and just grow where God's moved you and when God moves you he'll let you know I've I've always had this prayer I've had I've had six opportunities to have six lead six churches either associate or preaching my prayer has always been God make it abundantly clear when somebody when when somebody made an offer and said hey would you come be our youth minister would you come to that and I've always prayed God make it abundantly clear and and he has now he's never given me the, the I've never had a burning bush at the house I've never had the audible voice but circumstances have happened where it's like boy, Kathy, this is an open door. I think we need to do this. Or this is something where God is really moving. Three times the college has, has um, encouraged me to come work for them. They came when I was a youth minister. They want me to work in admissions. They came later on to work in another, another department. And then finally, the third time when they came and asked me to come work, um, I ended up here. So, um, But the other two times, it just was not abundantly clear. God was not opening the door at that time, but he's opened the door now. And I've been here 10 years and I've enjoyed most of the time. <laughs> there, there are those mornings when I'm pulling out at six o'clock to go visit a church. It's like, oh Lord, it's morning. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to echo, you know, what you just said that it, in Betsy and I's life, anytime we've been faced with a significant decision, whether it's ministry or family or whatever, when we commit to both pray about a direction, it has been amazing how. <laughs> how God moves and works in order to open the right doors. Mm -hmm. we, we look back on it at this side in life and say the right doors. Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, it's the right, it's no matter what happens, it's the right door because it's his door. It's not ours. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, good or bad, we can look through life and see that God has a way of working all things together for good. Yes. Even though we, we don't like it, it's not good for us. <laughs> God still has a way of working. So. Yeah. Well, Alan, it's been great spending this time with you. Uh, I really do appreciate, you know, being able to get into your story, your journey a little bit. I'm going to give you one more question. And if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you knew this question was coming. 
if you had one minute to communicate any message to everyone in the world, what are you going to tell them? Now, while you're thinking about your answer, let me remind our listeners that the Sojournal Podcast is a production of the Alumni Relations Office at Johnson University and is brought to you by the Alumni Association. Whether you graduated from Central Florida Bible College, Johnson Bible College, Florida Christian College, or Johnson University, you are a part of the alumni family. Join the Alumni Association and help encourage and equip alumni and students as they pursue kingdom-focused vocations. Learn more at johnsonu.edu forward slash alumni. So Alan Tyson, a 1981 graduate of Central Florida Bible College, the second class ever to graduate uh, for Central Florida and now a 10-year-plus member of the faculty staff at Johnson University. What is your one-minute message to the world? It's got to focus on eternity, that this life is not all there is. There's so much more waiting for us, more than we can even ask or imagine. And um, Jesus has given us a life. I'm living proof that Jesus will change your life in such a way that you cannot imagine what he's got in store for you. Just trust him in whatever you do. Hmm. Good stuff. Well, Alan, thank you so much again for giving us your time today. I know our alumni are going to enjoy listening into this podcast when we publish it up, uh, whenever that might be in the future. But uh, we certainly look forward to uh, hearing what alumni have to say about their uh, journey with you today. So thank you for spending the time with us today. Thank you, Tyson. New episodes of the Sojournal Podcast drop each Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you then.